0: Hello and welcome to Tell Me About Your Dog, a podcast in which dog lovers talk to me all about their four-legged friends, highlighting the incredible bond between human and canine. I'm Sarah and this is the very first full episode of Tell Me About Your Dog. A few months ago I uploaded a short little introductory episode about my own dog, Archie, which is available to listen to if you haven't heard it already. After that, life got in the way as it so often does, but I'm very excited to get the series started properly now with some fun dog-related conversations. Our first guest is Erica, who'll be telling us about Rosie the Shih Tzu. But before we meet her, I want to draw your attention to something important. If you live in Ireland, you'll be familiar with the wonderful dog welfare charity, Dogs Trust. They currently have a petition to end the illegal sale of dogs in Ireland. As I'm sure you know, puppy farms have been a huge problem in this country for a long time, and although new laws were introduced in February 2020, banning the illegal sale, supply and advertising of dogs, we still need to make sure these laws are enforced. We're coming up to Christmas now, and it's a time of year when so many people buy puppies without really thinking about where they've come from, or how bad the conditions may have been for the mother. If you haven't seen Dogs Trust's new TV ad about puppy farms, you can check out the video on their website. And you can also sign the petition there too. Just go to dogstrust.ie and you'll see it on the main homepage. Now it's time to meet our guest. So our very first guest on Tell Me About Your Dog is Erica White. Erica lives in New York City and she's the co-host of Because the Beatles or BC the Beatles, which is a podcast about the Beatles from a second generation female perspective. It also happens to be my all-time favorite Beatles podcast. I listen to it religiously and I would urge any of you who love the Beatles as much as I do to check it out. Of course, Erica is also a dog lover, and she's here today to tell us all about her dog, Rosie. Erica, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I, I can't decide whether I like Beatles or dogs more. If I, I'd probably go with dogs, so this is really like a <laughs> dream for me to be able to talk about my dog on a podcast.
0: And it's a dream for me to have a Beatles fan on the podcast, to be honest, talking oh. about dogs.
1: <laughs> well, isn't this perfect synchronicity then? It is,
0: absolutely. <laughs> now, before I ask you about Rosie specifically, can you tell me a little bit about your background with dogs? Have you always loved them? And did you have dogs when you were growing
1: up? Sure. Um, I've had dogs in my life since I was about four or five years old. My We actually lived down in Texas back then. Uh, we're all New Yorkers, Northerners, but my parents were down there because my dad got a job uh, in the South. And we uh, doctor adopted a very sweet little dog um she was a year old she was a -a peek-a-poo so a pecanese and a poodle so a small little fluffy cute little dog and we had her the entire time that i was growing up um funny thing about her name though i come from a a new york background my dad's side is uh, jewish my mom's side is italian so you know we um and we're down in Texas, and there's not a lot of people like us in the city that we were living in, and so we got this dog from a friend of my dad's at work, and we said, "What's her name?" And he says, "Shiksa," and if you are uh, if you're Jewish, you know that Shiksa is like Yiddish slang for a non-Jewish woman. It's not that nice. <sighs> You know, it'd be like a Jewish mother saying, you know, you brought a shiksa home, you're going to date a shiksa. You know, it's that kind of thing. It's not great. Yeah. (laughs) So we, we kept the dog's name as it was for a few years, felt bad to change it. But then eventually, about three years later, we moved back to the Northeast. So the dog finally got a name change to a more appropriate name. She became Ginger because there was no way that any of us were going to be running down the street if she got out yelling that word in a town where anybody knew what (laughs) what that meant. So we had Ginger. She was, she was lovely. She was sweet. I remember dressing her up in baby doll clothes and putting her in a basket and, you know, and walking her around the town. Uh, She, she was very cute. Um, I didn't have dogs for a while after that until my ex-husband got a shih tzu actually in the last year of our marriage. And I became absolutely obsessed. And when we divorced, I decided that I I had to have my own shih tzu in my life. It was just, it was a non-negotiable. So as soon as I, you know, everything was settled in that area, and I moved out on my own, I got my own rescue shih tzu, which is Rosie.
0: Oh, lovely! Yeah. So, tell us a little bit about
1: Rosie. Uh, how long have you had her now? How old is she? She's about seven and a half. I got her five years ago when she was two and a half. She's a Shih Tzu, and she came into my life just at that time when I was I was looking for a rescue dog, and I, you know, I definitely didn't want to get a dog from a breeder. I know a lot about mill dogs, and you know, I, I just wanted to rescue a dog. So. This was actually perfect kismet because my friend Bridget, who actually lives right near me now, she was looking to foster a dog. And she had some allergies and she was trying to find a dog that would not aggravate her allergies. So she started fostering Rosie, who was then called Red at the time because she was a bright redhead she's not anymore. So it's very strange that she's (laughs) so redhead. Um, And I got obsessed with following their fostering journey. And eventually she messaged me and she was like, look, this dog is kind of bothering my allergies a little bit. So I don't think we can adopt her. So I was all over that. I was like, I will take her. I will take her right now. Please let me know when you want to hand her off. I will adopt this dog. So that's when I got this dog. And she was... Not in great shape when I got her. She had come from Miami. Um, she was not spayed when she showed up here. She was covered in a full body yeast infection, which Aww. is not not pretty or comfortable. And she had and still has chronic dry eye, which is um it's pretty common in Shih Tzu's where their their tear ducts don't make enough lick enough water, enough hydration, so they get a lot of gunk in their eyes and it can scar. Their eyeballs can, you know, reduce their sight. And she was not being treated for any of it when she came to the foster. So we had a lot of work to do.
0: And do you, how much do you know about her background? Like, was she abused at all?
1: Do you know? We don't really know. I mean, looking at the condition she was in, I would imagine she did not come from a great a great experience either she came from a mill or she was with you know somebody who was for whatever reason couldn't take good care of her and had to, had to surrender her so she I mean she didn't have any behavioral traits that would indicate any serious abuse so I don't think that it was she was in a dire situation situation but I do think that she was neglected a lot y-
0: yeah because uh, my dog uh, turned up last year in our garden, of all places. Really? So, uh, yeah. So the dog warden came and took him. And we said if no one came forward within five days, we would take him. Uh, so we we don't really know where he came from, but we have a fair idea because of the condition that he was in. Uh, he was very skinny and his coat was in terrible condition. His teeth were decaying. And he was just very, very nervous. It was like someone Aww. had been had hit him. So it took him a while to to trust us, basically. Aww, poor guy. How long did it take Rosie to settle in?
1: She settled in pretty fast. I the I was actually living with my parents while waiting to move back into the city. So I took her back to uh, my parents lived on Long Island, which is about. Um, maybe an hour and a half drive from New York City. So I picked up the dog, brought it back. They had a they have a dog too. So she got to kind of learn the ropes from a dog who'd, you know, been around for a couple of years. Mm. So they 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 kind of settled in together. They were very cute together, Rosie and Jack. Jack's still, still with them and they have another dog. So we we collect dogs in our family. We like to have a lot of dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she was we I took her to the vet the day after I got her and try you know we did you know she got medicated uh, shampoo I had to bathe her every other day she was on antibiotics we started treating her eyes now she goes to an ophthalmologist to take care of her eye condition so it took us a, a little while to kind of get her in shape but I think about maybe 6 weeks 2 months in she was she was pretty acclimated to to the life that she had it was very funny to see her first snow because she had clearly never seen it before from <laughs> miami so i put a little coat on we went outside and she just didn't know what happened to the ground she was really confused
0: <laughs> it's it so cute, cute watching dogs in snow <laughs> i know <laughs> so um you mentioned that she had a different name before how aware was she of that name did it take her a while to get used to her
1: new name I think that was a shelter name. I'm not sure if that was a name that she was given from birth. Yeah. She didn't really seem to respond to it. It was just Red, like the color red, and I think mm. they did that because she was such a bright red-headed dog at the time that they just named her in the shelter. Um so she didn't really know it and we um, I settled on a name pretty quickly. Um, I'm pretty obsessed with Doctor Who. So she's she's named after Rose Tyler uh-huh. from Doctor <laughs> Who. <laughs> so that's where the name comes from. But it was pretty close to red, kind of called back to her original name in a way and referenced Doctor Who. She learned it very fast.
0: Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, I had a similar experience naming my dog because we we just have no idea whether he had any name before, whether anyone even really interacted with him that much. But uh I just always liked the name Archie for a dog. And when I saw him for the first time, I just knew he was an Archie. It was just immediately obvious. Aww. So um it didn't take him too long to learn it. Um but well, I only he has
1: a, a lot he has a lot in common with the royal baby too.
0: Yeah, exactly. So many people <laughs> have asked me, Did I name my dog after the royal baby? <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I only recently found out that. I think Archie is like an old English name and the meaning of it is brave. So I thought that was quite appropriate that it worked out like that. (laughs) I
1: love it. How is he settling in now after a year?
0: He's great, actually. Yeah, he's I think he'll always be he's very quiet, like he doesn't bark very much. But he's just very, very sweet. And he just loves his walks. And he's he was terrified of other dogs, but he's made a few dog friends now. So he's doing really well.
1: Oh that's so good.
0: So um you said that you wanted to you always wanted to get a rescue dog so you obviously have strong opinions on adoption.
1: Yes, definitely. Adoption. I mean there's just so many dogs and cats out there that are suffering and why should we let them suffer when we can take them in? You know, and yeah, you know, even practically speaking, I feel like if you want to have the companionship of a dog, there is no dog that would be more grateful to have a home than a dog that hasn't had a home. And you can really build such a great relationship with a dog like that. And you're not dealing with the puppy phase either, which is a nightmare. So there there are a lot of wonderful things about rescuing a dog. And, you know, a lot of these dogs have been through such hell. And we may not know what it is, but we know where we're, giving them a better life. So I just, I love rescuing dogs. I feel, you know, I, I have a little bit of, of, you know, I have sympathy for those puppies that are born out of puppy mills because mm-hmm. it's not their fault. And they, you know, of course we want them to have a home too, but I think we need to find a way to stop that kind of breeding—it's not necessary. You can have a wonderful companionship and a beautiful dog. You don't need to breed a designer dog for that purpose, exactly. And, you know, the, yeah. And the health problems that dogs have—I mean, Rosie herself, she's a she's a purebred Chihuahua. And I don't know how her life came about, but you know, as a purebred, she has a lot of those purebred problems, like you know, propensities for for yeast infections, and her eyes are just such a problem for her you know, mutts are generally healthier.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And I think also when people buy from puppy mills, it just encourages that cycle to go on and on. Like once there's money to be made from it, people will continue to do it. So it's a matter of kind of breaking that cycle.
1: Yeah. And the idea of making a lot of money off of of lives is something that makes me uncomfortable with the whole thing too. I mean, you can, you can give, you can, by giving your home to a dog, you, you don't have to participate in exchanging money for that. You can, you know, find, you can do it without making it a commercial endeavor. And I mean, I'm a vegetarian too. There's a lot of animal rights stuff, and you know, <laughs> involved in my belief about that. But I, you know, there are just it adopt, adopt a dog, find a dog. There's, there are purebred dogs out there too. You don't have to you know, settle. You don't have to settle when adopting a dog. There are plenty of rescue organizations that only deal with certain breeds. If that is what is stopping you from going for a rescue dog.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I think there's a misconception uh, that there are no pure breeds in rescues, but obviously my collie is a pure breed and I don't know whether it, a lot of collies do seem to end up in shelters, whether they're fa- considered failed sheep dogs or I, I just don't know, but it it's very straightforward to get a pure breed dog from a shelter if that's what you want
1: absolutely and there are some rescue organizations that are de- that are dedicated to rescuing a certain breed yeah you know, and there are you know collies and there's there's shih organizations and organizations for just rescuing the survivors of these these puppy mills so lots of options lots of options you can find your perfect dog through a rescue situation
0: Absolutely. And I think that a lot of people say that rescue dogs have something special. It's almost like they're even more grateful for the life that they have now because oh, they remember so. how terrible things were before.
1: I know you ever see those pictures on social media of their first car ride home after they're rescued. Yeah. You can you can tell they know that they've been taken out of something terrible. They are grateful.
0: Yeah, they definitely know. Yeah. Um, so Rosie is a Shih Tzu, as you mentioned, uh, what are the typical traits of the breed in terms of temperament?
1: Uh, Shih Tzus were actually developed in China thousands of years ago as both companion dogs and watchdogs for the emperor. And so they're, they are exactly what that is. They, they are companion dogs. They like to be with you to hang out with you to just kind of curl up. They're pretty lazy dogs. And that's nice. Um, But they're also little guard dogs. She will be the first to bark, if she hears somebody knocking at the door. And she is the first to bark right in your face, if she doesn't really like you. It's very funny. (laughs) So she's she still has those traits. It's adorable. Um, another thing about Shih Tzus is that they are hypoallergenic for the most part. So if you are allergic to a typical shedding dog, she has hair, not fur. So she does she does not shed at all. Um, but what she does need is regular haircuts, just like our the hair on our yeah. heads. So. You know, it's a bit more of an investment because, you know, she she gets matted. She needs to be brushed out. She needs to be, you know, I, I do my best in, you know, quarantine trim ups and such to try and keep her, you know, the hair out of her face. But she does need full body groomings every couple of months to not look like a, an actual mop. So... <laughs> You know, that is a bit of an investment. Um, they do have issues with their eyes. Some shih tzus have early onset um, hip issues and joint dysplasia issues. So that's something to think about, especially if you're adopting a senior, a senior shih tzu. But they do have a pretty long lifespan. And as, as I think, ex- and with the exception of those few health issues that are pretty uh, common to the breed. I think that they're, they're pretty like sturdy little dogs and they make really fun companions. I would, I would get, you know, 20 Shih Tzus if that wasn't considered insane.
0: <laughs> I don't think it's insane, to be honest.
1: <laughs> well, I like, I like people like you. That's my, that's my people. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I was going to
0: ask whether you would give any advice to other people who might be thinking of getting a Shih Tzu, if they haven't had one before, is there anything that people need to be aware of? Like, would they not be a suitable breed for everybody?
1: They don't exercise very well because they're a short-snouted dog. Um, they have less of a of a structure, of a nasal structure to their respiratory tract. And so they get winded much more easily. Um, and they have more trouble... Like on a on an airplane, it's it's harder to fly with them, especially overseas, um, because they, it's just their short airways make it more difficult for them to be comfortable in that environment. But you can take them wherever you go because they're small, and that is nice. But um, they are not they are not an ideal dog for you if you want to be hiking or swimming or doing any kind of you know regular athletic pursuits with your dog they they tire easily and they unless you want to get a carriage for them they will when they're done they're done so don't expect to be running with those dogs
0: yeah I mean probably the opposite to a collie because I found that I'm actually more active since I got him because he he needs two walks a day and he's he's they're just a very active breed and they yes you have to keep their minds busy as well
1: Yeah. She's, she's much different than that. I I think maybe something in her history, she doesn't really know how to play very well. So she doesn't play a lot, but, um, you know, she is great. She is great as a small apartment dog because she doesn't need a ton of exercise and she doesn't need a ton of playtime because she's so, you know, she's just so laid back. Um, So if that's the kind of dog you're looking for, it's definitely a perfect choice. And you don't have dog hair all over you, which is nice, too.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it's interesting. Actually, my dog doesn't play with toys at all. It's like he he's never seen one. He doesn't know how you throw a ball and he just looks at you like you're crazy.
1: It seems like it's very much of a rescue dog thing. Yeah.
0: I think so yeah because this is actually my first rescue dog I had I used to have a Springer Spaniel pointer cross Aww. and he was insane absolutely insane but <laughs> he would run and chase a ball all day long but he didn't know how to bring a ball back to you so that was that was just just something missing there
1: <laughs> that's more exercise for you than for the dog exactly <laughs>
0: <laughs> um so when I adopted Archie, I joined a Border Collie Facebook group just to find out more about the breed. And a lot of people I've come across have said that they've only ever owned Border Collies because they love the breed so much. So I often find that dog lovers tend to be split into two camps. You have uh, people who love all dogs, any size, any breed, and then what I would call breed enthusiasts. So um, which would you categorize yourself as?
1: I think... I think I love all dogs with a propensity toward dogs that are small and sort of like Rosie. Yeah. If that makes sense. But I will stop and spend lots of time with absolutely any dog, any breed. I would take in any dog, any breed. I just, I just love them. Um, in a previous situation I was in, Rosie was one of three dogs. We had an English bulldog and a pug. So she, she has definitely not been, you know, the only breed that I've had or the only breed that I like, but it's definitely something that I gravitate, I gravitate towards dogs like that. And I don't know if it's, if it's our, you know, hair maybe looks kind of similar. They say, you know, you gravitate towards dogs (laughs) that look like you, I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm also a, a smaller person. I'm only five feet tall. So I think I feel just personally comfortable with a smaller dog. because I know that if they get, you know, over energetic, I actually can pick them up and take care of it.
0: Yeah, I think I would be the same. I mean, I'm kind of drawn to medium sized dogs because that's all that I've had. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I've always said the same. If there was a dog of any breed that needed a home, then I would take it in a heartbeat
1: for sure absolutely
0: um so this might be a tricky question but I plan on asking everybody who comes on the podcast if you had to pick three words to describe Rosie what would they be
1: okay the first is stubborn she is a very very stubborn dog she knows what she wants and she does what she wants for example she knows directions And she loves her walks. And so she knows when I want to go home. And she does not care that I want to go home. (laughs) So when I turn the corner and, you know, I live in New York City, so it's a grid. There's only so many different directions I can go. She knows all of them. When we start going back towards home, she'll pull. She'll start, she literally will start sniffing everything, like dragging her feet. She will say hello to every person, every dog she meets. And when that does not work, she will lay down. (laughs) She's so stubborn and it's not tiredness because if I pick up the leash and go in the direction she wants, she pops back up, her tail's up, she, you know, she prances right down the street in the direction she thinks is the longer walk direction. So stubborn. (laughs) She is very stubborn, <laughs> but she is also very sweet. She is, she is cuddly. She is like, she's a nice, she's like a caring dog. You know, you can tell that, you can tell when you have a connection with her and I just love taking her around and just having her with me all day. Um, The third one, let's see, what would be a third? I'm looking at her now for inspiration. <laughs> I think along the lines of, of, um, Stubborn, she's also very intelligent, and it's funny because if she's not intelligent in the way that most people measure dog intelligence, which is you know whether they can do mazes or how they do on dog agility or obeying commands, she's more intelligent in that kind of psychological way, in that she's really good at communicating what she wants and she uses she vocalizes she has head movements, she has little hand movements, like she really knows how to tell me what she wants. And I'm always amazed that she so effectively can communicate.
0: That description would tell me a lot about her having never met her. I think that's a great description.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that's that's her.
0: Um, so can you take us through a typical day in Rosie's life? What would be her routine, her likes and dislikes, that kind of thing?
1: Sure. So I work from home now that there's a pandemic and we live together in a studio apartment in New York City. So on a typical day, uh, we'll get up around eight in the morning, it's sure I'll get up, I'll start getting ready. She will stay in bed, my bed, because that's where she likes to sleep, and she probably will sleep in until around 10 30 (laughs) um she sleeps late she doesn't care (laughs) i i usually have a morning meeting at 10 30 so after that she'll finally want to get up and take a walk the second i say do you want to go out she will freak out (laughs) and she will tell me exactly when she wants to go out and um we'll take a nice walk around the block she'll be stubborn I have found that if I don't feed her until after she gets back, I can kind of coax her back by mentioning that, you know, she gets to eat when we come home. <laughs> so <laughs> so we get back. She gets fed. She is extremely food motivated. She loves food. She you can. See, When you look at her, you can tell that she loves food, and I know she needs to lose a little bit of weight. The man on the street the other day told me she needs to lose a little weight, which I found kind of offensive. He was also not wearing a mask, so two strikes on you, mister. (laughs) But (laughs) um, She loves to eat, so she has her dog food, and then she'll get her eye meds. She'll kind of be taken care of for the day. Then we kind of have a quiet day. You know, I have to work, so she'll be with me. And sometimes she'll make an appearance on my, you know, my conference calls. And people like to see her little face. Oh, um, that's
0: lovely yeah
1: middle of the day she might get a little more active she'll want to like she doesn't like to play with toys so much but she does like to use my hand as a toy and like bite you know play bite me yeah. a little bit so so we'll and she she's such a tiny mouse and she that's fine um and so we will do a little play time and then I'll give her her little dental treat or you know because I just can't bear to brush her teeth she hates it so much so I just use that um then, um, you know, my, my job will end around six. She knows exactly when it's time to go out for the night. We go out sometime between six and seven. If I am working late, she lets me know that it's too late. She will start like nudging me with her face. She'll start yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> she will get up on the bed or the chair where she can get some leverage and start like yelling and throwing back her head. And, you know, I'll send you a video of this because it's hilarious. Oh,
0: I would love to see that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and she is really saying, come on, it's past time. I'm ready. We need to go. It's funny so, how
0: they always <laughs> seem to know what time it is.
1: <laughs> I know. And she she really threw daylight savings this year. I don't know what you call it there, but when we had to switch the clocks forward yeah. in the for the winter, that really messed us both up because she was starting to do that when I was still working because she didn't, you know, she doesn't understand the clocks, obviously. So she was just, you know, it was 4.15, 30. and she started going crazy. And I'm like, no, I still have to finish work. I still have meetings. Like, so she was just, she did not like that transition. So, but anyway, now she's a little bit better. So around... or so will be the latest she'll let me go for a walk. So we'll go out for her evening walk. We'll come back in. Nighttime routine, pretty much the same as the morning routine. She'll walk. She'll get her dinner. We'll play a little bit. And then sometime during the night, she'll end up asking to come up on the bed. And we will usually hang out until the end of the night when we go to bed. You know, if if it's a nice day, we'll definitely extend our walks we'll go different places you know I might take her to a friend's house something like that um but that's our that's our general general routine
0: and um have you found that the pandemic has changed the routine at all like uh, before you were um working from home for example
1: well yeah actually my life has totally changed since before the pandemic um this is not sad or anything. This is fine. But I was engaged and we were living together in Brooklyn and we had three dogs together. So we had a very different life. We had um, a dog sitter coming in uh, in the middle of the day to take care of our three dogs. And then, you know, my my dog routine was, we had a backyard too. So my dog routine was I would let them out in the morning. The dog sitter would take care of a longer walk around one o'clock. And then when I came home from work, there would be A longer walk and then food and then the bedtime rituals so it was very different I think it was very different for her because she was one of three yeah um and and then over the summer that ended and I ended it so I'm not I'm not upset it was good but um he the the other two dogs were technically his dogs so I took Rosie and he had the other two dogs so her her life has changed a good amount as is mine.
0: (laughs) And um, so a lot of us, I think, have found that our dogs have been great for our mental health during this pandemic. So I assume that's been the same for you.
1: Oh, my God, definitely. Like, I mean, certainly, especially not only during the pandemic, but because of, you know, the transition that I went through during the summer and fall, you know, having to walk the dog was some for a lot of times, a lot of days, the only reason I have then and now to get dressed and go out. Um, You know, you can do a lot of tricks on, on a conference call to look like you're presentable enough to be at work, but you're not really going out. So having a dog really does make a difference in that, in that you have, you know, you have to be outside, you kind of have to interact with people, even if it's just the people who are also walking their dogs.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a great conversation starter as well when you meet other dog owners.
1: Oh, absolutely. I know people's dogs' names and I don't know their names. I get better at knowing the people, but I definitely like, oh, hi, Lola. It's Lola. I have no idea what Lola's owner's name is, but I love Lola, you know, so.
0: Yeah, it's like you kind of forget to ask them their name. It's like, so who's this? Oh, yeah, and you're here too. (laughs) Right, right.
1: And they talk to they talk to me as, you know, in and they talk to Rosie. They don't talk to me. Yeah. They talk to her. And I talk to their dogs, but it's, you know, it's a little like dog sub-community, which is nice. Um, I've also been able to certify my dog as an emotional support animal, which is great too. So she lives with me for free because they a certified dog in New York City at least does not have to pay rent uh, pet rent. And oh wow. Yeah, and I can take her to a few different places, not, not in the same way as an as a actual you know, physical service animal, but she, she gets to come with me in a few more places than uh, she would have otherwise. She gets to travel in a little bit better style if we ever get to travel again. And uh, yeah, so she has been a lifesaver during this pandemic and she will continue to be.
0: Great. And that leads nicely into my next question, actually. Um, what is it like being a dog owner in New York? Would you say that it's a dog friendly city?
1: Oh, my God, is it? I wonder sometimes if there's more dogs than people in my neighborhood. It's great. There's so many. And I live uh, about half a block to the entrance to one of the entrances of Central Park. So that is just a dog Heaven, especially when the weather is nice. You know, there's a a huge lawn, and they say that you should have your dogs on a leash, but people don't have their dogs on a leash. So you can just go in and let your dogs off, and they just all play with each other. There's so many different kinds of dogs, and they're so much fun. And you get to know, like I said, you get to know some of the same dogs that you encounter on your walks. You say hi to them, you know their names. You know, I think Rosie knows some of her favorite dogs too. If I can tell by sniffing, you know, the way she sniffs them, that she kind of has some dog friends, which I like since I feel a little guilty that she's now the only dog. And, you know, that may make me end up getting a second dog one day, but trying not to do that yet. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a wonderfully dog friendly city. And since I've moved up here, Central Park is definitely the place to be to hang out with my dog because it's just just everybody's just got their dog it's so nice
0: that's amazing I would love and that for
1: Rosie as well is yeah for Rosie and for me because I get to meet their dogs too I get to pet their dogs yeah so. it's just a <laughs> that, dog fest exactly <laughs> and sometimes you'll see and I haven't yet found like where you get in on this but sometimes you'll you can tell that like people have Uh, They've made like a a dog meetup amongst themselves. So, you know, there'll be like, you know, 60 dachshunds in a little corner or something. And it's like, that's just so wonderful to see. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, the dream. I know, Um, right?
0: So um, can you tell us about some of the other places you like to go with Rosie as well as Central Park?
1: Sure. Um, Rosie, well, Rosie doesn't go that far on a foot walk because like uh, because of her breed she does get a little bit tired easily and because she's so stubborn it's hard to take her on errands if errands are in a direction that she thinks is on the way home so uh, a lot of times we just des- we just do go to Central Park but she does come with me pretty much everywhere I get to go and in the pandemic times we don't go to a lot of places but she gets to come with me when I see my friends. So one of my best friends in the world, Ray, he has two dogs. He lives uptown from me, so she'll go visit him. My parents, they have two dogs. So like for Thanksgiving, she'll be coming. And I really do think that Rosie is my mom's favorite dog, even though she has two dogs of her (laughs) own. So she's always very excited. She's always asking me for pictures of Rosie. Uh, My brother now lives, uh, my brother and my parents live very close to each other now they have a dog and three cats and a newborn baby so they're always happy to see rosie when i come to um it's kind of a given that unless there's specific reason why the dog can't come the dog is coming um outdoor dining has been great too this you know in this pandemic because i can always bring my dog to brunch which is nice
0: that's lovely. I wish there were actually like Ireland is always kind of we call ourselves a nation of dog lovers, but it's really not as dog friendly as it could be. Like there's very few dog friendly restaurants or hotels. I mean, they're, they're kind of springing up all the time, new ones. But we I feel like we still have a long way to go.
1: Has quarantine made any difference or that the pandemic with the way dogs are received? Do you do more outdoor dining?
0: Uh, yeah, there's outdoor dining. I've actually discovered a couple of places. Like, there's an Instagram account uh, that was created recently called Dog Friendly Ireland. So it's it, they post some good tips, places to go, and uh, yeah, Ooh. not that many hotels, but I'm I'm looking into it.
1: Oh, good. Yeah, you can't not take them.
0: Yeah, especially <laughs> I have to think about it more now because Archie is not the kind of dog that you could just leave for a while he yeah someone has to be with him all the time so it makes it difficult to go to restaurants well when the uh, before the pandemic anyway because we just I think that we couldn't leave him behind really
1: oh I think the pandemic is going to change a lot of dogs personalities towards that way because they're so used to now all of their humans being home constantly you know my my parents actually they sold their house, um, and they did the, the closing yesterday, and they moved, you know, like an hour and a half away from where they were living, and they had to take their two dogs with them, because the dogs have been so used to them being home, that if they go out for five minutes to pick up, you know, the groceries or something, one of the dogs will just bark his head off the entire time, he won't stop. So instead of, you know, being able to trust just leaving them at home for a day, They have to take him in the car and just let them sit in the car while they do their business.
0: Uh, As I mentioned earlier, you are a big Beatles fan and you have a Beatles podcast. So for that reason, I think this is a very important question. Does Rosie like the Beatles? And if so, who is her favorite Beatle?
1: Well, of course, Rosie likes the Beatles. She's not insane. <laughs> she loves the Beatles. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny, I'd never really thought about who Rosie's favorite beetle is, which is is interesting because my co-host allison, her her favorite beetle is Brian Epstein, and her cat is named Epi after Brian Epstein. And we are very aware of the cat and the cat's preference for Brian. So I've never thought about (laughs) Rosie's preference, but thinking about her and her personality, she is definitely a George girl. She is a bit, I would say she's a little bit standoffish at times. She's not like a (laughs) cuddle bug. She's definitely more of a don't bother me kind of girl. And (laughs) she has been described in the way she kind of stares off into space as kind of like, A wizard or a mystic, so I can see her surrounded by, you know, meditation in an ashram with a sitar and really just really getting into that that phase of George's life.
0: That's really interesting, actually.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think every dog,
0: every dog should have a favorite beetle. I think so too.
1: Who is your dog's favorite beetle?
0: Um, I think Archie's into Paul mostly, which suits me fine, to be honest, because I play a lot of Paul around the house.
1: That was Paul your um, favorite Beetle too, or do you have a healthy rivalry on this and you can have discussions and, you know, go back and forth?
0: Paul is. The thing is, I always used to say that my favorite Beetle was George, but I wrote a whole uh article on my blog a while ago about how my favorite Beatle has changed and how I feel like I'm betraying George for that reason
1: oh wow I have to go read that that's so, that's so that's yeah
0: it's just kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing <laughs> but yeah it's definitely it I can't deny it anymore it's Paul it has to be Paul
1: I've always been Paul always yeah, whole life
0: Paul's solo material is my favorite anyway so it just kind of stands to reason
1: how excited are you for McCartney three
0: so so excited oh my my god God. (laughs) this is gonna rescue 2020 for me
1: (laughs) that's that's the first thing like when I found it I posted it's like if anything comes out of this year that's good it's this only this
0: yeah oh thank you Paul for rescuing the (laughs) year and I was supposed to see him over the summer and I was so disappointed uh, that that trip was cancelled god Yeah, we were going to go to Amsterdam and then get the train out to see him. And I've never been to the Netherlands. It was going to be great.
1: Well, let's hope that once this thing is over and we have a vaccine, that not only will he start touring again, but he'll tour on McCartney 3 and it'll be an even better show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm so looking forward to concerts again. Oh, my God. Me
1: too. Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) Um, so just to take a little political turn now, obviously there has just been an election in the United States and we, we know the outcome, (laughs) even if Donald Trump doesn't know the outcome, (sighs) we know the outcome. Yes, we
1: do.
0: So, uh, first of all, how excited are you about the fact that there will finally be dogs in the White House again?
1: Talk about making America great again. We make America (laughs) great again by getting rid of Trump and... Putting Biden in there and his rescue dog and his other dog, Champ and Major. I cannot wait for them to go to the White House. I love them. I love the fact that Biden has these dogs. He rescued a dog in 2018 from a shelter. And he's just, you know, one thing about Biden and, you know, during the during the political primaries before all this happened, you know, Biden wasn't my first choice you know he wasn't who i would have voted for in the primaries but now that we see you know what he was up against with trump i really do think that he was the man for the moment because he is kind he is empathetic you know he is going to get us through this travesty of the coronavirus with with kindness which is i think something that you know we've really missed here in america with uh, Donald Trump in office for so so long four years it feels like 40 um, <laughs> and showing that he you know that wasn't a political thing it was two years ago you know he's always had dogs you know he rescued a dog you know the, that shows a level of humanity and kindness that you can't fake and I'm just so excited to see that back and it's just such a nice it's a nice break too from politics when you get to see you know we're not getting to see our politician on the side you know basically embezzle money from the american people and talking about paying off porn stars we're talking we're looking at their life with their dogs and we're looking at something very wholesome and nice so i am so excited about this
0: And Major, of course, I believe is going to be the first ever
1: rescue dog in the White House. Yes, he is. So Champ has actually had some experience. He's 12 years old. So he was with the Bidens when Biden was vice president. So he's been around, you know, he's going to be able to show Major the rescue dog a little bit of the ropes around, you know, around Washington, D.C. But yeah, Major is the first rescue dog ever, which I mean, just just think about what we've got now. You know, we've got. Joe Biden his wife who is a PhD and you know the first first lady who's going to keep her job while she's first lady as a teacher we've got Kamala Harris who's the first You know, she's half African-American. She's half Indian. You know, she's the first woman vice president. She's married to a Jewish man. And we've got rescue dogs. I mean, if you just think about, like, what America is and how it should be represented, we have so many wonderful elements in this family. And while maybe the rescue dogs aren't top of the list in many people's minds for what is most important about this, you know, this group of people, it says a lot about who the Bidens are. So thrilled!
0: It does, and uh, I assume you've seen the Twitter and Instagram accounts for the dogs.
1: Oh, followed them immediately.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the Twitter account got suspended sometime last week.
1: Suspended? Did they yeah, tweet um, something something incendiary about Trump?
0: I. I heard two things about it. Um one thing was that Trump supporters kind of started to report the account to get it suspended. Ugh. And then the other thing I heard was that it was suspended for impersonation. What? Yeah, impersonating the dogs. So oh I don't know which, I don't know which is actually true. Wow. But yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I, I mean if if you know the, the pro Trump people are going to, I'm sure, have a lot to say in the next couple of months. That's fine. You say what you want. Don't go after the dogs. Yeah. Leave the dogs out of this. I'm sure that the powers that be of Twitter will understand who's behind this crazy, crazy thing and reinstate their account shortly.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think they've created another account. It looks like it's run by the same people, but the Twitter handle is different. I think this one was First Dogs USA with underscores, but this one has no underscores. So I'm pretty sure it's. Yeah, I I think it's the same one. It looks like it's the same one.
1: Okay, that's good. Well, I'm going to have to go and check that out because I don't want to ever not follow these dogs in every possible platform.
0: I know. I mean, this is what everyone needs for the next four years.
1: Exactly. That's just that is insane to me. There are so many dog accounts on all of the social media platforms. Like that's at least three quarters of the things that I follow are
0: dogs. Like how can you impersonate a dog like on social media? It's just doesn't make sense.
1: Because dogs can't type.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) who's to say the dogs haven't endorsed it
1: that is true they look pretty smart
0: yeah definitely (laughs) um and I think I I read a Trump quote the other day about why he didn't have dogs and he said something like it would make him look phony or something like that
1: oh really that would make him look phony yeah yeah (laughs) that would be the final thing makes perfect sense now jeez God, I cannot wait till that man just slithers into his hole and whatever he says, we don't have to listen to him.
0: Yeah. And he probably still won't have a dog after all this.
1: You know what? That's good for the dogs. Exactly. He probably Absolutely. couldn't have the dogs. Dogs have a great sense of when you're not a good person. or when you, They you know, do. They, yeah. they would. I can't imagine the kind of dogs that would want to be around him.
0: Yeah, I can't either. Ugh. I don't think I want to.
1: (laughs) No, I don't want to know that dog. And that's a very rare dog if I don't want to know (laughs) them.
0: So can you sum up why you think the bond between dogs and humans is such a special one, if that's not too difficult a question?
1: That's a huge question. I will do my best. Um, Well, I think dogs have all of the when, when you have a relationship with a dog, you're having this relationship where you have all of the positive feelings without a lot of the overlays that a human mind puts on a relationship with another human. You know, you're not thinking about how you look, or what you said last week that might have upset them, or did that look come across? You know, none of the social anxiety stuff, you know, you don't have arguments with them. If you accidentally, you know, step on their foot, you feel really bad, and they've forgiven you immediately. You know, there's no, there's no, there's all the love and none of the angst or the hate. So in a way, I think that for the humans, you know, a a dog can really show you what it means to be an authentic person and to really love. And I think for the dogs, you know, dogs, I think dogs really do have a connection to humans beyond wanting to be fed. And of course, they want to be fed. There's no question. My dog especially is extremely food motivated. Um, But they you know, you can look into a dog's eyes and you can definitely see the love there. You can feel the love there. And I think that it's just such a pure relationship. So, I mean, I wouldn't want to live my life without a dog or many dogs, like lots of dogs. (laughs) Yeah,
0: (laughs) Preferably lots. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Preferably like, you know, to the point of like scary number of dogs, but right now. My one dog is great.
0: Well, it's (laughs) been so lovely talking to you about your dog and about dogs in general. So, before I let you go, if anyone listening wants to check out your podcast, where can they find it?
1: Sure. We're at BC The Beatles everywhere. Our podcast is called Because the Beatles, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening to this now. Please subscribe.
0: Fabulous. Thank you so much for joining me to talk about dogs. It's been great.
1: This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to Tell Me About Your Dog. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this episode right now. And if you like what you hear, why not leave a rating or review? It'd be much appreciated. You can also follow us on Twitter at TMA Your Dog Pod. And if you want to tell me about your dog on a future episode, please feel free to get in touch there. Our logo was designed by Colin Brennan and you can check out his work at colinbcreative.com.
1: See you next time.